Hey, everybody, back again. It's Scaring is Sharing. Yes, it's the place where we share our scares with each other and you. Hello. Hello. And guess what? It's Friday night. <laughs> yeah. And the party's here around the west oh side. Oh, my God. And we're so crazy. You know, we're doing it on Friday night. We're podcasting. <laughs> we're podcasting. This is how we do it. <laughs> we're some crazy motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. And you are Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And you are Brandy Joe, the Flame and Scream Queen Plan Back. That's right. And for our dedicated listeners, you know, we were supposed to have an episode this morning. And I think typically, if not almost always over the last year and some change, that has happened. Mm-hmm. But we had an opportunity to go see the movie. I mean, you guys clicked on the episode. It's The Black Phone. We it's went the to Black see The Black Phone. Phone but the we Black couldn't Phone, go last night. It finally came out, guys. I feel like I've been yeah. seeing trailers for this fucking thing for like a year now. So I'm, I'm glad to finally see it. Well, and you know what? I'm glad we saw it. But yes, so we started recording an episode this past week before we decided to do this. So next week's episode will be last week's episode, technically. But yeah. almost like bookended because we did one half of it last week and then we'll do the next half we this did this, coming yep, week. So. And then we'll do the next half. So it might be a little weird. You guys are going to get some info that's probably like, oh, that's a couple weeks out of date now. I, no, hope I not, do but... have an interesting thing, okay? Because yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure it's on the episode that people have not yet heard. I go into the analytics and talk about one of our friends in Tappahannock, Virginia, uh-huh. who listened to like 60 episodes of our show. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was a fluke. We we talked about it. Maybe they, they fell asleep. They fell you'll, asleep. You'll hear it next week, okay, people? But regardless, in the last 24 hours, said listener or listeners have listened to 11 episodes of our show. <laughs> what is happening? So they haven't yet heard us talk about them. I Jeremy, know. Who, is what I'm who, saying. Who are you? We need to know. Yes. And you know what? It's probably someone we already know and love, and I just didn't put it together. It's maybe like Alex or something. And Alex is just going back and listening to all of our episodes all over again. I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to be somebody that's like, duh, I forgot. I know somebody. Somebody that lives, you know, right there. In Tappahannock. I think yeah. I'm saying it right. I also want to know how to say it. So please write us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Yes, Hello. please. Please do. And next week, you're going to hear us talk about you again. So get used to it. Yeah, but out of order. So it's like time travel. Yeah. Jeremy, I heard an interesting quote this week, which I think goes for so many movies I've seen in my life that I've never heard and I love. And it said, no bad movie is ever short enough. And I really <laughs> liked that. <laughs> yeah i feel uh, that i i get that because it's true it's like you could see a movie as short and be like oh thank god this is only an hour but like we've talked about on here when something's short and it's not good it feels like forever yeah. when you're really not enjoying the experience like five minutes of it is too long so that's right so jeremy i know um i just told tapahannock to send us a, a, a telegram, but you know what we have three this week and yeah teacher drew you wrote us right away last week and that that telegram will be on next week's episode just fyi we will so come sit back tight. to it sit so, tight so calm down teacher drew <laughs> i know you are a very aggressive type <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure as soon as he listens to this episode, he'd be like, they skipped my my email. So and we didn't uh, we didn't. We just we our recording got all screwy. But, you know, 
But we're here for you. Only a day late and a dollar short. <laughs> so our first telegram is from Feminasty herself, Tess. Yay, Tess. Writes and it's says, been a minute. It has. And Tess says, babes, long time since I've grammed terror into your inbox. That was hard for me to say. Trust. I've been listening, hopelessly devoted. I just always listen while working, and it can be challenging to stop whatever task I'm doing to write. Tess, we get it. It's okay. Yeah. However, while listening to the Ruins Mummy episode, y'all were addressing Kate Bush, one of my faves. And that Sasquatch Slim reft my Kate Bush song, Weathering Heights, I have for years felt convinced that only me and a handful of friends were obsessed with this number. So much so, we'd memorize the lyrical dance from the video and ended every single dance party we ever hosted by playing it. You know it's time to go home when they start playing that weird Kate Bush song. And I even loved the Pat Benatar cover. Such a great song. Love, Kate Bush. You made my day. Keep on sharing and scaring me. Love y'all. P.S. I'm also wearing my Weathering Heights t-shirt while listening today. Oh, Tess, thank you. Yeah, I God, mean, I, love Tess. I like how she says it, they know it's time to go home when that song comes on. And that would just amp me up more if Weathering Heights came <laughs> on and be like, let's keep this thing going. And I haven't yet heard that Pat Benatar cover, but my husband has told me about it. I think, I believe he said that's how we learned about Kate Bush was through that Pat Benatar cover. Oh, okay. Of Weathering Heights. Yeah, very so, cool. And it's funny because I remember going to see Scream the, when they um, re-released the original in the mm -hmm. theater and Tess and I went to it and in my car running up that hill, a remix of it was playing. And she's like, is this running up that hill? So I knew she loved Kate Bush from that time. Mm -hmm. And I love that that she still loves Kate Bush and that you all are kindred spirits and love Wuthering Heights. I know we should all hang out and listen to Kate Bush together sometime. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and oh my God, she's just the best. Love Kate Bush, love Tess. So all the great feels today. Yes. All right, why don't you read us our next teragram? I will, uh, if I can find it. What am I doing to my phone? This is unedited, Jeremy, come on. What is happening? Okay, this one comes from another friend of the podcast, Ethan. Ethan. Uh, and Ethan says, uh, well, I want to say the subject line is, hello, hello, hello. Uh, and Ethan writes, Hey fellas, as Aaron Lewis once said, it's been a while. That was my, uh, you know, stained. That's the band. In yep. case you're wondering, Aaron Lewis. Mm -hmm. It's Thank been you. a while. I was listening to episode 84 and Brandy Joe talked about natural sound versus stingers during climactic moments. I know BJP is familiar, but Jeremy, have you ever seen the Buffy episode, The Body? It is not the scariest episode, but its lack of score really amplifies the emotions and stress put on the characters. I've probably seen it because um, I think I had discussed before on here that my mom uh, was a huge fan of Buffy during its original run. So I watched it as a kid, like with her. Uh, and that's really like other than seeing a few random episodes in adult life. That was like my main viewing experience of Buffy was as a kid when it was originally airing on TV. So I probably saw that episode. I just don't recall what the body was about at all. Do you well, know that I one? could tell you, but I don't want to. Okay, I'll look it up some at some point and maybe I'll rewatch it. <sighs> I mean, I would say rewatch it before looking it up because I remember hearing it and thinking it was be one thing and it's quite a different one. It's very oh. different than all the other Buffy episodes. Okay, so sorry, Ethan. I don't remember that episode at all, but I will have to look into watching it again and report back. Yes. Um, 
And he continues, also, you guys talked about Sean Ashmore, but failed to mention his time as Jake, leader of the Animorphs. How rude. Um, and... What's an Animorph? <laughs> okay, well, let me come back to that. Okay. <laughs> I actually started listening to a podcast that reads all of the books, and goddamn, they can be pretty fucked up. Like, the whole series is based on body horror, space genocide, and the child soldiers assigned to saving the galaxy. Who would have thought that behind those trippy book covers would be such a violent tale? Anyway, hope all is well. Bye. <laughs> Thank you, Ethan. I love Ethan. And Ethan recently, oh my God, and now I can't remember what it was. Ethan was somewhere, oh, at um, uh, the, the drag show that happened this past Sunday. I can't remember. I'm not into all the drag queens. I don't remember other names, but there was someone, Shangela or someone like that. Yeah. And Royal Oak. And he was at there with, seeing that show with some people I knew. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, Ethan. Very cool. Um, Animorphs was a series of uh, young adult novels. Uh, kind of akin to like Goosebumps, like when Goosebumps mm. was running around that time. Whereas you say Goosebumps was for like younger kids, Animorphs was for like slightly older, like going into your teens. Um, and they came out like I was prime target for that. So I read the Animorphs books. Uh, the covers, you've probably seen them online. They've been memed where it shows like a kid turning into an animal. Oh, like, yeah, different yeah, yeah. Animals. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the point of it was like there was like aliens. It was this insane when you think about the plot details of it, you're like, that was trippy as shit. And like Ethan saying like, yeah, there's like body horror and space aliens trying to wipe each other out. And these kids are drafted into this war to fight on behalf of like some of the aliens against other aliens. So they get the power to turn into animals. However, that helps them. I don't really remember, but yeah, that, that shit was crazy. And no, I did I not watch the TV show. So I just said, uh-huh. Like I knew those book covers, but then I pulled them up and I've never seen those before. Like uh -huh. I'm looking at one now where a girl turns into a bear. I like it when a man turns into a bear or when a man is a bear. Yeah. And I mean, here's just a girl is a bear, turning right? into a raccoon. It looks like my friend Diane Bailey and she slowly turns into a raccoon. These yeah. are scary covers. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And the stories too, man, there was like, all I remember is the one kid, he turned into a falcon, but he stayed in falcon form too long, so he permanently became a falcon. That it's was like weird. when you make the funny face and someone slaps you on the back. Yeah, exactly. He got wow. stuck that way as a yep. bird. That's like that movie, One Crazy Summer. I don't know if you've seen it. You're too young, probably, but it's a John Cusack movie, and there are these two little like red-haired girls, and they say that, and then it happens to them. They're making a crazy face. And someone's, have you seen I've it? Seen it? I've seen that. Yeah, oh I remember God. that one. Bobcat Goldthwait's time. in it. Right? Yep, you're right. Yep yep, 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 yep. I remember that one. Yep. Yep, I remember that. It's a good time. And Ethan, I don't know if you know this, and anyone else who loves Buffy that's in the Detroit area, but the Redford Theater, which is gorgeous and very mm -hmm. cool to go to, is doing the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode once more with feeling with a shadow cast on Saturday, July 16th at 7 p.m., and you can go. And it says the night will feature costume contests, photo opportunities, and a talk back after the show with the cast and crew. I imagine that means with like the shadow cast and crew. But yeah, exactly. Maybe Sarah Michelle Geller is going to be there. I don't know. Maybe that's why tickets cool. are $14. Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> oh, and she and Freddie Prince Jr. are still together or no? Yes. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, they're okay. still married. I can never remember. It seems like all these like dream couples end up getting divorced at some point. I no, like that I, they're still together. They were in like a commercial together not that long ago. And I watched it and I was like, when did they get so old? And then Aww. I looked at myself and I was like, when did I get so old? Like, <laughs> but I still love them. 
Well, I have, we have one more Terragram. It was a, a banner week for Terragrams, I gotta say. Hell it's yeah. It's pretty exciting. Keep them coming, people. We I know. Love it. And also considering that Teacher Drew's technically is for this same episode. So, like, that episode with the ruins got really four Terragrams. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So, this one comes from my dear friend, Russell, who's amazing. And the subject line is episode number 84. And Russell writes, hey, guys, thank you for mentioning the Kate Bush research phenomena thanks to Stranger Things on the latest episode. It's quite amazing. As a diehard fan, I noticed you said you both were mainly familiar with her hits, but I highly recommend the Hounds of Love album in its entirety. As horror fans, I think you would especially appreciate the second side, which is more like a singular suite and even has a title, The Ninth Wave, wherein Kate Bush imagines herself as a necromancer on trial while experiencing hypothermia. (laughs) Wow. This is intense. (laughs) There's a lot happening. (laughs) There is. It's all very witchy, wild, and gorgeous, all at once, complete with a ghostly Gregorian-like choir and a demonic-sounding priest commanding her to confess that she's a witch. Magic. Kate nods to horror and most of her records, including the Hammer Horror on Lionheart and the title track of The Dreaming, to name a few. Hope you find yourself down a hem K-hole in the near future. I love The Ruins, and I appreciate that it has held up as the unique film that it is. I, too, watched it recently and still found it eerie and stressful, but totally agree about the characters being unlikable. Cool note about the alternate endings as well. It makes me want to read the book, and you should. I appreciate that you both have varied tastes. I grew up watching thriller double features Saturday afternoons on Channel 20 and remember watching the Hammer horror version with Christopher Lee as the mummy often, along with most of those films he did with Peter Cushing. Curious if either of you have a favorite or most hated Hammer film, or if you've considered doing an episode on that specific brand of horror. Anyway, thanks for the reading. Looking forward to next week, Russell. Thank you, Russell. Yes, thanks, Russell. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the only hammer I've seen that one with that you made me watch? (laughs) Did I do a hammer? I can't remember. What's that one with Vincent Price? The Fall of the House of of Usher. That was a Roger Corman picture, not a hammer. Oh, and that's not hammer? That was not hammer. Those are separate. Corman and hammer never intertwine and hold hands. No, different production companies. Okay. Then I don't think I've ever seen a Hammer film. No, Hammer's a Hammer is a British uh, 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 horror studio. Uh, when Universal wound down with like their classic run, like sometime in the fifties, is where Universal kind of uh, uh, petered out with their uh, uh, you know Creature from the Black Lagoon came out, and they did some other like giant monster movies, and then they decided the horror bubble has burst. We're not really making money on these anymore. Uh, and then it was like in the '60s at some point, Hammer in England was like, okay, we're gonna revive Dracula and have you know Christopher Lee play him, and we're gonna see if there's still some gas in this tank. And they started doing Frankenstein and the Mummy in color with blood, and it was like you know a big deal it through the sixties and seventies. So I have seen the Christopher Lee starring mummy and that is good. I like that one. Um, favorites. I think my favorite, um, 
I think my favorite hammers are, again, either the horror of Dracula, as it was called in America, which has Christopher Lee as Dracula, or the Curse of Frankenstein, which was their uh, remake of the original Frankenstein, which has Christopher Lee, again, as Frankenstein's monster. So uh, both of those are pretty good. So I might consider assigning those to you at some point. Yeah, looking over, I think the only Hammer films I've seen are the contemporary ones. Let Me In, The Woman yeah. in Black. Yeah, they still and make movies. The Lodge, which yeah. kill me before watching The Lodge again. I okay, so that's your so least much. favorite. There's your least that favorite. That is my least favorite, and I would say my favorite of those. Ooh, it's a toss-up because I really loved The Woman in Black, and I really loved Let Me In. Yeah, Let so, Me In's good. I mean, Let the Right One In is better, so I'm just going to say yeah. The Woman in Black. Um, but I do want to see the nanny, which I see here, <laughs> not the Fran Drescher, but the, um, I believe it's the Betty Davis one. I didn't realize that was a no. Hammer film, and I do love her, and I've always wanted to watch that film. So I see that on the list of films. As far as weaker ones, um, it's not a good movie, but I wouldn't say it's bad because I still enjoy it for its campy, like, terribleness. But they did one in the 70s called, um, oh, what is the full title? It's Dracula AD 1972. And it's Dracula, Christopher Lee, Dracula. And we're starting to get like really tired of doing the role because he did like a million sequels with them. Uh, and they transport it to, you know, the happening seventies where there's like dance party. It feels like an Austin Powers movie with Dracula in it. Like it's got like a, you know espionage intrigue government plot thing but dracula's the bad guy and it's really ridiculous yeah i feel like i've seen that vhs cover like when you say the title it comes mm -hmm. to my mind yeah that one is a uh, cheese fest so, so yeah, maybe throw some hammer at me at some point throw yeah, a hammer might. at me yeah but thanks for writing in russell and yes anyone out there who would like to write into us scaring and sharing at gmail.com follow us on insta hit us up there i do want to say too russell mentioned it's what is it thriller chiller double feature mm -hmm. um i remember that from my i was very I was, I was little i was an impressionable small child when that was still on tv but that's how i saw rawhead rex for the first time mm. like i saw it as a kid and it scared the shit out of me i think i watched it with my grandpa because he would just be watching movies on saturday afternoon because i remember being at my grandparents house and yep remember it scaring the crap out of me i saw rawhead rex and killer clowns from outer space on thriller Amazing. chiller double feature for the first time as a kid so my husband's grandma used to work in a movie theater so lots of times i think like terror train or something like that like those there's a handful of films that he's like oh i saw that with my grandma and it always makes me laugh so like whenever there's a horror movie and he says he's seen it i'm like did you see it with your grandma <laughs> because like they would go see these movies like i saw like mannequin with my grandma like and like vice versa like i did not ever <laughs> see anything like like i saw very yep. like child friendly movies so it always makes me laugh Although my grandma took me to see Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. So, <laughs> I'm kicking my own ass. That's what yeah, I always so remember. I, I saw that with my grandma. So. That is funny. Yeah, but I saw Mannequin. That's what I remember most, most vividly. Yep. And Joe had Terror Train. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that, Terror Train is right. That's kind of awesome. 
Yeah, it really, really is, actually. This week on my little secret site, I saw that um, Micah Monroe, I think, like sure. her name is M-A-I-K-A, I believe it's yeah. Micah is how you pronounce yeah. it. It's yeah. just spelled uniquely. But she's in this movie called The Watcher, and mm-hmm. it came out, and I have been wanting to watch it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, she did that. What was that like um, app called? It was I keep wanting to say Tubi, but there was like an app that had like little eight minute movies that came out and it like bombed. Uh, Do you know what Qui- I'm talking about? Quibi. Quibi. She Quibi. was in this Quibi thriller called The Stranger. Yes. And okay. I watched all of it last night. It's like 13 eight minute episodes. Was it cool? Utterly terrible. Okay. So bad. This is why Quibi failed. It is. They didn't do, have, I bet it was like, Nothing to do with the fact that people didn't want these little quick bites, quibby, yeah. but rather their content was horrible. Yeah, they didn't have great content. They didn't promote it well. And now Roku owns all of it. Ah, Roku okay. bought all their shit. It's not, so now all of it's on Roku. So if you have a Roku, you can go on the Roku channel and watch uh, all the stuff that used to be on Quibi. But, well, don't watch The Stranger. I'll tell you that right now. It is so bad. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's like one of those, like, is she making it up? Is it real? Did it really happen? What's going on? But, like, oh, in the end, I'm man. like, I don't care, but I have to finish it still. <laughs> yeah, they. I feel like Quibi's whole thing was they tried to TikTokify like streaming content where they're like, yeah, so people will want to watch shows like this. And I'm like, no, I still want shows to be like long enough to tell a story. I don't Mm -hmm. want it chopped up into tiny bits. So that's where they failed. Did you watch the teaser for they, them this week? No, it came out and I watched it because it was a teaser. Oh, I totally missed it. It looks fucking amazing. And someone in my horror Facebook group, once again, how I came to, and I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, with nope meaning not of planet Earth, perhaps the title. Perhaps they said that perhaps the title is actually they slash them, which is how it's written. There's like a slash image, like they, them, like if you were doing like your signature and putting your pronouns. Yeah. But like perhaps. For the movie's sake, since it is a slasher, it's they slash them is actually how you would pronounce it. That's kind of clever. Which I'm like, oh, I like that. But it looks fucking good. Cool. Okay, I got to check it out. I I so hope it's, I hope it is. I hope it is good. I hope it's not tone deaf. I hope it's brilliant is what I hope. hope. Yeah, yeah, come on. Get some good content, some good diverse uh, representative content. And we saw some good trailers today, I thought. Yeah. When did you come in, though? Because you came in after the movie started already. I came in as the trailers started, not as the movie itself. Oh, but okay. Yeah, so yeah. you saw The Invitation? You saw that trailer? Didn't. I missed oh, that. I there missed was one that. after that that I can't for life of me remember. Because I went with my friend Ryan to the movie. And I was trying to fucking, like, I was talking through. Because the only trailer I didn't watch was Nope. Because I'm that's my most anticipated movie of the summer. So I'm trying yep. to stay as blind as possible. All the other ones I watched... The beast looks fun. Bodies, bodies, bodies looks fun. Yeah, yeah looks good. Um, I, what the, what did I come into? I can't remember. I got in there and sat down and I was right in time for some trailer that started. Mm-hmm. What the? Oh, was it? And I've seen it a million times now because <laughs> it's another uh, one of those. Oh, I, I came in. It's Barbarian. That's the trailer that was playing. And I was like, we got to see that. That's it. That one it. looks interesting. I looks don't so fucking weird. Yep. And you came in, so I didn't fully watch it because I was like, oh, we're over here. We're over here. Yeah. And and I was glad I didn't fully watch it because yeah, Barbarian looks right crazy. now. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck it's about. I remember yep. being like, oh, interesting. 
Yeah. I didn't remember it. Yeah. Um, I have a really important question for you. Are you doing that pasta slam tomorrow <laughs> or on uh, Sunday? I, Sunday. Sunday. I will be at pasta slam. And it's like a all you can eat pasta fest. Yes. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> Are you going? Just, no, but oh. I just saw a sign for it. And I was like, I think Sarah said to me that you guys were going to eat all the pasta you could stuff in your bodies. Yes. I, uh, as soon as it was announced, I'm like, buy his tickets now. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. Yeah. Did you watch anything this week? Uh, n- not anything other than the the new umbrella academy season that came out so oh yeah um, how was it how was the elliot page i uh, handled perfectly i think good it, it, it's fantastic uh they did it i think with care and uh a uh, lot of input from uh elliot page himself and it came out great amazing um, we didn't finish it yet. We're like, I think we just watched episode seven last night. So of 10, I think there's 10 altogether. So we're getting there. Um, if you're a fan, you know what to expect. Just real twisted narrative and multiple plot lines running into each other. And you think you figure out what's going on. And then they pull the rug out from under you. So cool. Yep. Same, 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 uh, you know, business as usual. Okay. <laughs> so- well, cool. Yeah, I didn't watch anything else. Do you have any news? Anything else? Should we just get to our main feature? Let's let's get to it. Let's get into the Black Phone. All right. So we're going to talk about uh, the Black Phone, which just came out last night, technically, since movies come out on Thursdays now. And the tagline is, never talk to strangers. Oh. And the description goes on a little bit, but... Finney Shaw, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy, is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of little use, dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to read the rest because it goes on and on and on. But that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of this movie? Uh, I was riveted. Yeah. Like, straight up. Like, I was... I, this was one of those movies that, like I said the trailer has been out forever and I'm like, when the fuck are they finally going to release this thing? So I started to get worried. Like, cause I felt like the date kept getting pushed back that I was like, usually that's a sign of them having no faith in the thing they're putting out. So I was like, ah, it's going to be bad, isn't it? But no, like I thought this was one of the better mainstream horror movies in like a long time. Uh, something this big with this kind of budget. Yeah. Uh, I was saying to uh, Ryan in the lobby as we were leaving too, I'm like, also I was kind of blown away by a, 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 a mainstream horror movie that was such heavy subject matter. Cause usually they, I feel like they, they don't want to dance that close to something. So like this, you know, it's all about child endangerment and horrible things happening to children. And usually they kind of step away from that or walk that back. But this was dark and as heavy as it needed to be to approach and like that across, subject matter across the board, not just like with this serial killer, but like with parents too. Like there yeah. is some the parents heavy and, child abuse that is very disturbing. Yep. Bullies at school wrenching bullies and, but very real, very real. And I mean, just, I didn't even know this until now looking at the director's credits. It is Scott Derrickson who directed Hellraiser Inferno. <laughs> yeah, that was his, that was his first movie. Yeah, but then the Exorcism of Emily Rose, which is fantastic. Yep, Sinister, which is also amazing. Doctor Strange, which I've not seen. That's of one of my favorite. I remember this was a point of contention with it's only a podcast, but I love Doctor Strange, and they, we're not <laughs> fans of it as Marvel people. But Scott Derrickson rocks. 
Yeah. And I mean, this, I remember hearing about this movie when it played at some film festival a million years ago when it like first, yeah, like came out or, you know, when they previewed it or whatever, you know, one of those, Mm -hmm. whatever, not comic cons, but one of those festivals, film festival. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of those like horror related ones. Like what's the, the one that happened like South by Southwest. I feel like yeah, it was something like I that. I think that sounds right. Yeah. So, yeah. South and people by were like, it is really good. It's really brutal. And the thing that was so great about this movie is that it took its time. Yes. Getting to know its characters, which so many mainstream movies just don't because you got to get in, you got to get a scare. And there's not a true scare for a while. Yeah. But I did jump a solid, I think, five times. I had a good <laughs> jolt. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Which were great. But it just also did some really clever things. Like Ryan and I on the car ride home were talking a little bit about it. And he said it feels very literary. Like it would have been based on like a really fleshed out novel was sort of how he was describing it. Mm-hmm. And I can get that because it did have that sort of, I don't know, just like well-fleshed-out characters and things like that. I know it's based on a short story and not a novel. Yeah. Which I really want to read it now to see, like, how much more is here. Is it just fleshed out? Or is that, like, one little snippet of the the book? And I I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the whole story encapsulated in a smaller thing or, or not. But it's so good. And, like, if you weren't told Ethan Hawke is, like, the killer and you had no idea, you probably wouldn't put that together. No, you'd probably be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And really I got good. I got to say too, like it's <laughs> in fact when I got home to my wife, she was like, "How was the movie?" and I was saying a little bit to her and I was like, "Also, I want to know is anybody like checking on Ethan Hawke right now because he is playing some really disturbing characters lately, but doing it so authentically that I'm like, he's he's okay, right? Like Ethan Hawke is doing all right cuz he's, he's he he was in uh Moon Knight, the Marvel series, he's the main villain of that. That was on Disney Plus, and he is creepy as fuck in that too. So I he's he's drinking from some well man and really reinventing himself as like, I'm gonna do twisted characters now. Like this is the guy. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be this character actor now that does these twisted, uh scary bad guys, but like well, like really authentically. It was scary. Another thing Ryan and I were talking about, because of course he and I could talk about the movie, whereas you and I, he was, you yeah. and I could not. You, we so. had to wait. <laughs> but he's like, I love when I am shown things and not told things. And I'm like, yes. yes. And I thought this movie also did really good in that. It could have, like, it went a little further than I would have liked it to have gone. Like, it could have told me, or yeah, it could have told me even less and I would have been okay with that. But it did a really good job still in that regard. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was very smart. I think that's really what was drawing me in. Because uh, I hate that. Uh, it's a visual medium. Like, characters don't need to be saying out loud everything they're thinking or explaining plot details. And I, I see that a lot, too, with, like, scripts. Uh, if you read, like, movie scripts, you can tell, like, a, I feel like that's a sign of a less seasoned writer is when they they have their characters like speaking their intentions out loud all the time. And it's like, you have to trust the viewer that when this is turned into uh, a visual uh, form that they'll understand what's happening just by watching. You don't need to tell everything. And I thought the little boy who played Finn Mason 
Thames or Thames. I thought he was so good. He reminded me sometimes of Millie Bobby Brown <laughs> and yeah. sometimes of little Brad Renfro, which just like took me back to like the client and made yeah. me like sad and remembering him. Yeah. Um, but I thought he was really good. The little girl, I, I did really like her. I didn't, mm-hmm. she felt a little acty, actory at times, but she also had some really amazing lines in the movie, which made me LOL. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I also love that we live in an era now where they're finally letting kids in movies be played by actual kids. Yeah. Because I feel like that's, you know, and by kids, I mean like teenagers, uh, because so often you're like, they're not teenagers. They're like 25. Like that's how, you know, that's been standard operating procedure for so long. I like that they're putting real like preteens and teenagers in those roles and trusting them to do the, uh, the uh, work, the heavy lifting of acting and pulling it off. So, yay. And Jeremy <laughs> Davies was so good too. I've always liked him as an actor, but I yeah. thought he was really, he just, he's so good. Yeah. He, he played uh, a drunk dad very well uh, at times. I was like, I wonder if he was just like, okay, got to play drunk. I'll just talk like Johnny Depp sometimes <laughs> now. And that guy who played Max, who's in like It and Sinister, he reminded me of you. You could have played that part. I think but, I could have. <laughs> without giving, I want to talk spoilery, but I feel like we've talked so far pretty good non-spoilery. So <laughs> I think if you want to leave, because you haven't seen this movie, A, I recommend seeing it, so go see it. And B, now I'm going to talk spoilery. Yep. So... I, thing, I, I think I have that energy. I could, yeah, I could sure. be that character in yeah. there. <laughs> I almost, I don't know if I said the brother or not, because that would sort of give it away. But um, the thing that I really loved about the Jeremy Davies thing in the end was I thought there was going to be this really cheesy, heartfe- heartfelt resolve between him and the two kids. And it really wasn't. Like, he came to them and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And they were both kind of like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the vibe I got. And I... So appreciated that. I I just like I'm glad that they were like daddy and they didn't like hug him. They were like, Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just I thought that was so powerful that they're like, we have each other and we're gonna hold on to each other. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. And it, it is one of those things too where you're like, Yeah, he's a terrible dad, but you believe, you know, he loves his kids. Yeah. On in some level, but it's just like I don't know. This movie does. It was a very realistic way of peeling back how complicated people are and can be in that. Like you could. Yeah, he I'm sure he had a shit life and then has transferred it onto his kids and just, you know, unhealthily raising his children. And and that just happens so much in real life that it's like, wow, this was a very non Hollywood. I feel like peek into these sorts of lives while being filmed like a hollywood film like it didn't feel like an indie flick it was very stylish and smooth and slick yeah but yeah the the actual content didn't Mm -hmm. feel all hollywood and glossed up it felt like much rawer and more real i also really appreciate there was like some struggles with the little girl and like her gifts in life and how she like would sort of like 
attributed them to like God's gifts or like she would like mm-hmm. pray for these things. And then it was sort of complicated. Like, does she believe in God? Is God real? Is God there for her? And we also didn't have a full resolve there, which I really appreciated. It wasn't like she, all of a sudden she like looks up and she's like, thank you, God, at the end. Like that yeah. doesn't happen. It's left sort of in that lingering state, which most Hollywood movies don't allow that. They have to have no. this. They want closure. Res- uh, this closure. And I appreciate yeah. that there wasn't that there and that moment totally reminded me of uh psycho gore man in there when, oh, when she was like what the fuck jesus while she was <laughs> praying and i was like oh it's kind of like a psycho gore man oh. where she does like virtually the same thing while like praying and i was like wait a minute i've changed yeah. my mind yeah so i'll take this little girl over that little girl any day yeah she was i think <laughs> And the other the other thing, when the dad was talking to Gwen, the little girl, about like the mom's powers and you know, gifts and how, you know, he didn't want that life for her and that she like killed herself or whatever. I like that we didn't go too much into that story, but I could have gone with a little bit even less there. But I yeah. totally had flashbacks to when I came out to my dad. Rather, my dad came out to me. That sounds weird, but like my dad had to come to me because I was scared to come out to my dad. And my mm. dad said, what's going on? And I said, nothing. And my dad said, do you want me to tell you what I think is going on? And I said, sure. And he said, I think you're gay and you don't want to tell me. And I was like, well, I'm bi. Because that's I was bi now gay later was my my phase of life and how I came mm-hmm. out. And he, he was like, well, I, you know, I don't know what I did to, you know, make me make you like uh, afraid to talk to me. Um, he's like, but I just, you know, I. I've heard these statistics of how, you know, gay people die at a dramatically younger age than straight people. And, you know, he just like, when when he was having that conversation with her about her mom, I had these like flashbacks to that conversation. And my dad wasn't like, you can't be gay, but he was like, you're going to live a harder life and I don't want that for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think what he was saying is definitely contributed to like, probably things like suicide and AIDS in the eighties, like things like Mm -hmm. that, where if you're going to look at the overall age of gay men, those things are going to skew them because Mm -hmm. life hasn't always been easy for gay people. So of course the, the, whatever the average age is going to be lower because people are killing themselves and dying from a disease that no one was helping them with Mm -hmm. for so long. So, you know, he, he was, we're from Wyoming, so he's just a little uneducated, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I just had those flashbacks that just like took me there in a sense. And, you know, I also appreciate it. He was definitely more harsh with his daughter than my dad was with me. Yeah. But that moment didn't also turn like brutal. He was like, just sort of like, I don't want you to have this hard life. And, you know, you can appreciate that, but it doesn't deserve like a, a belting like he gave her. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. I was gonna say it, on film. Yeah, that moment just kind of lingers as a very honest moment. And it just yeah. hangs there. And it's like this is all very real. Like the emotion is all very real. Cause life, real life doesn't barely anything ties up, you know, nicely. You don't get closure. Closure doesn't exist for virtually everything in life. So this movie felt honest in that regard. And I loved when he was having conversations with the dead boys on the phone. And when you'd see them, Mm -hmm. like, I just thought it was done so well and it just, it, I loved that. I thought that it was handled very, yeah, very I thought well. That, I thought that could be cheesy from, I remember seeing these trailers over and over where I'm like, okay, weird. I wonder how they'll handle that. And I think they did it excellent. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so one thing I liked about the end and one thing I didn't, I 
could have gone without the phone ringing and the dead boys like talking into his ear and him saying, it's for you. I wish like the phone would have just ringed and he could have been like, oh my God, the phone is actually ringing because before he said it was like not real and like not heard all the voices. Yeah. I thought that was like a little too like, okay. I feel like some Hollywood exec was like, we got to have the phone ring and the dead boys say things to him. Yep. But I love that he didn't come back to life like is typical in these movies. I thought he was going to grab him on the stairs, come out the door. One last. Yeah. Yeah. Attack. I, um, I like that they gave us, you know, it's one of those things they put us through hell, like watching this movie, how tense and, uh, just heavy it was that, okay, yes, he gets his comeuppance. He gets to punish the, the bad guy. So that was great. But then I got worried because <laughs> I was like, this movie's so dark. When like his sister was running to him, I thought he was going to be a ghost or something like that. I thought there was going to be one last like, what the fuck moment of like, actually, he didn't make it out and they're too late or something like that. Or like the what we had just seen was actually in his head and he actually had been killed uh, or something Ooh. along those lines. That's what I was afraid was going to happen. I was like, OK, thank you for not being that nihilistic in that dark movie that well, on that front, as about halfway through, I thought, okay, I thought it was going to be a story about him surviving. And then I thought, what if it's a whole um, hereditary switcheroo and he's going to get killed, his sister's going to get kidnapped, and he's going to be the one to help her mm, live yeah. is where it, I thought it was going to go at a certain point. I was like, oh, he's going to die, yeah. and then he's going to help his sister. That's going to be the ultimate person saved is that he saves his sister because mm-hmm. she couldn't save him. And I'm really glad it didn't work like that. Yeah, exactly. And it, I, I'd seen a lot of people talking about too, like it vibes for this movie, which kind of tracks. Cause like, come on people, it was written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. So of course there could be some influence there from that, but I, now I need to research it on the internet cause I have no idea, but watching this, I got being a true crime, you know, nerd. Like I am, I got uh, flavorings of um, Dean Coral. Uh, uh, he was a serial killer in Houston in the seventies. Um, I believe the case cases, the whole story is referred to as the Houston mass murders where he preyed on, uh, teenage boys, uh, in Houston and kept them captive and, uh, you know, eventually murdered them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it seems like a similar vibe when you read the details or look into that case at all. It's like, I, yeah, it seems like perhaps Joe Hill was influenced by that. I'm wondering. I mean, so now, it, yeah, it feels a little Gacy like as well. Although I don't think he like held them captive. He would yeah. just, but like still like, even though he wasn't a clown here, the masks were also fucking creepy. Uh, yeah. And props to that. Like, I feel like this is a movie that could be iconic. <laughs> it's received well enough. Uh, those masks, Ethan Hawke's performance. It's like, this is, Boom, like out the gate, uh, iconic movie villain, horror movie monster here. Yeah, so. the fact that we know so little about him and what actually happened in his life, we you could maybe surmise a few things, put together a few, mm-hmm. connect the dots here. But again, we don't go into like these flashbacks of what he was like. We only see very little between him and his brother. Like, I think you can just sort of put these things together, but I love that you don't know. Like, yeah. you don't know. He doesn't even have a name. Yeah, he's just yeah, he, the, the grabber. He's just the grabber, what the press calls him. Like, you don't even learn his real name. Like, you don't 
get any humanity for that, you know, that matter. Cause there's a part where, you know, Max was like, Oh, he got called into work. You don't know what work is or anything like that. Other than his magician persona where he's driving around in the truck to lure children. So yeah. And I also, just as we talk about just more and more things come up. I love that the one kid that he's the one dead kid he's talking to like the sort of rebel kid with the pinball machine was he's like thank you for saving me and he's like it's not about you it's like yeah it's like it's about our bodies being found yeah it's about yeah the justice for us yeah and i just thought that was really powerful i just loved that and i mean i cried twice i'm gonna just say like it wasn't like bawling but i sort of teared up once and then i totally cried at another point yeah like it, it just it because i was so invested in his relationship especially with the little native american friend he had mm-hmm. i loved that relationship i thought it was so sweet and i loved when they finally connected at the end through the phone because i was just waiting for it to happen you knew it's gonna eventually yeah yeah it's just so f- and that whole sort of silence of the lamb switcheroo at the end yes where it's the wrong house and you're but it's like across oh. the street so like i loved that that it wasn't yep. like the little girl was wrong it's like she was right to finding the bodies yeah just like her brother two houses was there. yep two houses <laughs> i was like yep that's a silence the lamb style yep fantastic yeah, so good it really yeah, was it really good. was I'm, I'm so glad it was as good as i was hoping it would be and for the most part i think the reviews have been pretty positive about it yeah so. very positive so yeah get out there and see it people yeah if i in can the, in the theater help save theaters because they're not <laughs> in great shape right now so go see it in the theater do it yeah our theater was pretty full and you know what people were really well behaved yeah, yeah, people were for it being in- a Friday night movie. Yeah, people were into it. Yeah, there was very little like chatty. People weren't laughing inappropriately. I think people were scared. Mm-hmm. I think so. Like, I, I think was pe- scared. People were jumping at the jump scares. So it's like <laughs> that's that's great when you're in a theater that responds that well. Yeah, it totally makes sense that the guy did Sinister because I think it has similar vibes. It's just like and- I think Sinister is good, but it's better. And Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yep. the Hawkman himself. Anything else? No, I think that's it for now. Well, I mean, out of five black phones filled with dirt, how I'm many gonna, do you give the black phone? I'm just going to go bold. I'm giving it a four and a half. I'm going to give it a four and a half to you. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. One big fat. Scare of approval. That's a real big scare of approval. So go it see is. it, people. Yeah, this is definitely be my top horror films of the year for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's automatically on the list for me too. So yeah, very real good. fucking good. Well, real. go out and see it. Write us, tell us what you thought about it, and thanks for listening, y'all. And come back next week for our other episode that we've sort of already halfway done. Yep, and we'll wrap that up and everything will be hunky-dory. <laughs> Who's hunky-dory? That's a Real Housewives quote. So if anyone out there got that, then I love you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Well, um, hail Videodrome, long live Paymon. There you go. And you know what? I'm going to leave you guys with a little nugget of wisdom from the black phone itself, which is uh, you have to see the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) So brilliant. If you haven't seen it, go see that too. So that's right. Bye. Bye. No, wait, wait, wait. You better keep watching scary movies and talking about them. Because scaring is sharing. Okay. Now, bye.
Bye. Scaring is sharing. 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 This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Scary.